This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome to the Championship Clubs Podcast. I'm Michael Casey. It's been a little while, but I'm delighted to be back in the hot seat. And I'm delighted uh, with the guests that we've got today. Obviously, the, the Championship regular season came to a, a dramatic and... Uh, Exciting tense close just a week ago with Jersey Reds being crowned champions on the final day. They did so with a 43-15 victory over Amptill. And I am delighted to say that I'm joined on the line by the director of rugby from Jersey Reds, uh, Harvey Bilge. And Harvey, it's it's a pleasure to have you on and, and thank you for, for joining us today because I appreciate you've got a uh, a very busy schedule. Thanks very much, mate. It's, uh, it's going to be enjoyable. I'm not, I'm not too experienced at podcasts, so here we go. Oh, well, well, we'll do, we'll do our best to work it through. I mean, just just let's just talk us through the season. Obviously, it's um, it's been from the neutral a two horse race for a little while. Yourself and Jersey have been, you know, exceptional, and you know, you could argue that both would have been worthy winners of the league this year. Fantastic records throughout the campaign since since it got started at the back end of uh, of twenty twenty two. You know, talk us through those final few weeks and the final results and how it's been in the camp. And then, you know, maybe maybe what's been different this year for Jersey, because as a team, um, you've shown incredible progress on the island over the last decade and, and more, I guess, since the extension through the lower leagues. But what really clicked this year that meant your side was there and strong enough to, to become and be crowned the eventual championship winners? I think first and foremost, making the conscious decision to grow the size of the squad. Um, so having 40 players this season allowed us to implement a rotation policy that allowed standards to lift to training. There was competition for places. We could also manage those players from a strength and conditioning and injury point of view. So that made a that made a huge, huge difference. I think our preparation through preseason, playing against premiership teams. Uh, probably gave us the edge at the start of the season where we were, I'm not saying battle-hardened, but we were ready to play at a, at a speed and a physicality that we were probably just edging the other teams just from a, from a preparation point of view. And then we probably, uh, I've got to add, we, we probably had the rub of the green on a couple of occasions where, you know, we, we had some luck and you, you, you've got to, I don't know whether you make your own luck or we, we, we got it, but that, that definitely came our way. And then... This was definitely not by design, but through the back end of the season, if you look at the last nine games, we actually had a game postponed against Doncaster. Uh, And what that meant was we were actually one game behind everyone else. And what it meant is, although there'd been competition, they'd been close all the way, we were obviously pushing Ealing and we had Coventry right behind us. That gave us that space where it didn't look like we were probably right at the top. But we had that game. So so for us as a group and uh, a player support team and probably uh, the coaching, the, the the playing group, it was like this game's a really big game, but the next game's even bigger and the next game's even bigger. And we, we, we're kind of having to like chase and stay in the race all the time. So with, with, without design, it was, it was almost just given that opportunity that hold on, if we get this right, we're going to give ourselves that opportunity through the back end of the season. It's a, it's an interesting point because I think obviously Ealing would have would have sat at the top of the league for much of the season on the league table. But as you say, going into that final winning was was the game in hand. But I think you know ultimately you only lose once, and you I think there was a draw was there in the season, and uh, 
you, you can say there's a bit of luck and good judgment, but that, that speaks for itself. So maybe a bit of modesty on your part there as, as well, Harvey. Uh, what was it then? Was it the Ealing game, the, the penultimate game of the season that you thought we can really do this? How, how did you feel going into that one? Because I think the only defeat you tasted this season was away at Vice Way. I think, you know, Ealing have, um, you know, current reigning championship champions made a, um, you know, a big impression, I think, in the sort of the, the, the championship, I say industry news space, but also the wider rugby space with uh, the development that's gone on there. So I, I think it would have been fair to say that you would, despite the form, probably been underdogs going into that game. Did did you feel confidence? And was that the fixture when you thought, OK, one more when we've done it? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I probably got two or three moments throughout the season where I thought, oh, hold on. I don't know. We've got the rugby guards on our side or whatever it is. We had a game against London Scottish where Harry Shepherd missed a, missed a kick. And we've got a victory. So you've got to think, hold on, something's going, something's going right for us. But probably two moments, one in the league, one in the cup. So in the league, you don't go down to the Pirates and score six tries. It doesn't happen at the Mene. Uh, and there was, a, there was a game we went down there and I just felt our squad was fresh. It was a turn just, you know, just in coming the new year. Our squad was fresh. They looked physical. Um, they could play with speed, and I thought, hold on, we're, we're, in a, we're in a really good place here. And then the other game was probably the the Ealing game in the Cup at home when we beat them in the Cup. Um, don't underestimate the value of that victory because for the first time it meant that Ealing knew they'd come to Jersey and lost, and we knew when Ealing come to Jersey we can win the game. And then when you looked in the, the, the run into the back end of the season, we felt that if we get it right between now and that game, that's potentially, with no disrespect to Amtil, that's potentially a decider where we've caught up the game, we're on track with points, but we could actually go ahead. And that was probably the game uh, through the campaign, not the league campaign, but across the whole season that uh, they were thought, hold on, there's a real, there's a real opportunity here. And it's incredible, isn't it, when you look back and you, and it, it, when when you see the final league table and crown champions, things like that kick at London Scottish, the, the public never knows, but you'll have them in your heads and thinking, you know what, the moment Harry Shepard tosses that, well, you know, his mistake has given us the, the league title, which I think as a coach and maybe even sometimes as a player are the ones that you'll hold on to. But, you know, for the fans and the wider public, they're, they're quickly forgotten when they go in your favour. Um I think it's almost a bit of a cliche to say, but it's not because I think there's a lot of truth in it that, you know, beating Jersey on the island or going to play Jersey on the island is an exceptionally hard thing to do. I remember from, you know, my time in the league, there's been some huge ups. I think the London Irish win down there when they went unbeaten, but then Jersey scored that try that started inside their own goal area and went the length and everything else. And, you know, some other incredible wins on the island. Going into those final two fixtures, knowing they're both at home, was that, was that another key thing that you thought, you know, there's... As you mentioned, Amstel, that that's that's not an easy proposition. But Amstel at Dillingham Park versus Amstel on, on at home on the final day, they feel quite different in terms of maybe the the confidence and the you know the intention you'd have going into them. Yeah, don't be wrong. I think Amstel came to came to play. There was no doubt about. It. They were fired up, fired up for that game, and and so they should. They were they were competitive. Um, you mentioned coming to Jersey and the home games. I think that's just part of that journey we've been on too. 
Whereas I think when I arrived in Jersey, most teams were coming here for the, their, their social on the weekend away. And I think now that's probably a different proposition, which uh, we quietly take some respect in <laughs> or some feel good in. Um, you're right. We've had some fantastic days. Yeah, the likes of Worcester, London Irish and teams like that come where we've, we've been able to get, you know, get on the right side of the road. The road. But then, yeah, I mean, we started the season, like I say, with some really good preparation through 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 preseason, and um, both those games being away from home, and then knowing those those two games were at home. I mean, the the, the support behind us here on the island was was unreal. I mean, our, our attendance has pretty much doubled. We had what was it three thousand six hundred people at the the Ealing game, and over three thousand uh, for for the game against Amtil. I just it just uh, it definitely it, everything was building momentum, uh, and there's there's no doubt that. Uh, that the home advantage made made a difference to the back end uh, back end of the season, and I mean I know when, I, when you ask coaches they kind of say there's not, there's not time to be nostalgic, and I guess you certainly don't have time to be nostalgic at the moment with a, a cup final in the offing. Um, but have you had chance since um, you know since since the victory uh, against Amsterdam, you were crowned champions? To have a little look back, of course, when when you arrived in Jersey. It was sort of January 2014 uh, and, the, you know, the Reds had, I believe, maybe fought off Doncaster the year before just to stay up and we're in the, you know, the, the teeth of another relegation battle. Ironically enough, the other team um, embroiled in that fight was Ealing. So both clubs have been on, on some journey since. But I guess, you know, from the outside looking in at Jersey, there's been a, a pretty steady but obvious improvement and you know year on year sort of strengthening of that squad and maybe it's not quite that linear but to have gone from you know a side that's ascended through the regional and sort of national leagues into the championship being a, a sort of a relegation contender for those first couple of years to have worked the way up and now ultimately to won it uh, to have won the thing uh a it's some journey and and yeah have you had chance to reflect on that yet and are there any you know if you could pick out a few key moments in those last nine years Harvey what what would you share Firstly, I think um, I'm immensely proud of the journey coast, the journey we've been on. Uh, it has been a roller coaster. I think steady progression there is key. I mean, we were in that relegation fight, and then we've gone seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth to now to now winning the competition, which is which is I, I think is just just proves that steady progression. Geez, we've had some magic moments here over the over the last the last nine years. I think. Um, I think the, the the games we've already highlighted, beating those prim, those those I call them Premiership teams, that teams that bounced back up. Another one that stands out is going away to Ashton Gate and beating Bristol on the eighteen game winning streak uh, has been pretty pretty important. And then there's other ones like getting to the British and Irish Cup final and a couple of other moments. But um, but if I'm honest with you, you've you've kind of caught me out because people have asked me how it feels to have won the competition and be champions and. And I reckon it'll come in a couple of weeks' time when I'm just sitting back and going, "Hold on, let me reflect and take take it all take it all in," because we've gone from the massive emotional build up to the Ealing game and a huge emotional let out and and some celebration there, then having to come straight back to ground again and get on get onto it with a, with a game against Amtil to go and win it. Um, don't get me wrong; I think we all celebrated that and and enjoyed ourselves, but. But by the by the Tuesday, Wednesday, we're back on thinking, hold on, hold on, we've got a semi-final against Pirates. And now we've got a, a final against against um 
Ealing. So, so I think at the moment, uh, you know, the, the mindset's changed. Like, yes, you've 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 won the won the league, but there's an opportunity to do the double. So, we haven't really sat back and gone, okay, um, just reflect and and go through everything. And uh, I think when it does, it will hit me. I'll probably get a little bit emotional again. I think people aren't, you know, I'm, I'm not shy to say that. I do, I do get caught, caught up and everything. But I think, yeah, it'll be. It'll be time to sit back, and I think that'll be that moment where you, you feel that immense sense of pride, and 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 also probably just can take can take in what we've actually achieved. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good point, and it's it's obviously a very funny position to find yourself in. Have you um had any challenges trying to just uh, I guess taper the celebrations for now with the boys on the back of the last few weeks? Have the squad uh, been professional for the? the entirety and obviously hopefully saving it for tomorrow night we're obviously a very professional <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very professional <laughs> oh no you, you gotta let them celebrate i think um i think there were a couple that were still in their kit on the sunday uh after we <laughs> after we beat until um, yeah so no uh and so so they should i mean what an achievement and you, you've got to give them credit then the enthusiasm and self-awareness to to continue to want to improve and learn throughout the season has been something else. Um, uh, and, and, and the players supporting, the way they've made sure, you know, Rob, Tom and, and everyone else, the way they've um, ensured that our, our training programme is on point and they've given time to, to, to every single player has been exceptional. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, congratulations with that. Um I want to sort of look forward a little bit now, and obviously it's been it's been fantastic to have you on and talk about an incredible season. Um, I guess Jersey winning the league, whilst in turn of a massive success, I guess it asks more questions, and you know, not necessarily of the club, but of of the game as a whole and and the structure that we sit in. Of course, Jersey wouldn't have put in for the promotion minimum standards criteria due to the fact of I guess where where you are um, at the Stade Santander quite. I guess landlocked in terms of you know an expansion provision would be very very difficult. Um, Harvey, if you're able to answer, has was there a conversation about ever looking at options for I don't know other places to play or expansion? Um, did you know was there ever any consideration to entering the minimum standards? Given you know you'd made a, a flying start to the season, I believe it was maybe October time they had to submit, and has the success of this season? I mean, the you know the obvious thing to answer, uh, to ask is you know as a fan or a supporter, there's you know is there is the long term plans moving forward? Because of course you know should those criteria have been you know applied for and met, you'd be thinking of Premiership rugby in you know the, in, in the autumn. Yeah, um, good question. And I think firstly, if Jersey Reds are ever going to be promoted or play in the Premiership, they've got to play on Jersey. So we're not not moving. We're not moving anywhere else. Second thing, I think the reason there was a three-stage plan because that gives us time to get the uh, infrastructure and facility on point. Um, I do believe there is a conversation to be had around the criteria and because of our unique situation, um, we've got 100,000 people on the island and 3% of our population are coming to all our games. So um, if you've got that in London, do Harlequins have three percent of London going to their game? I, I don't know. I, I know it's a I know it's a silly, silly argument, but it just shows the thriving community on on the island. I think with just rugby 
in general at the moment, with everything that's going on at the top of the game, it, it's pretty negative. And I think what you've got here with Jersey is a real positive story across all aspects of the game. Um, we're staying true to the probably the core values that the, the RFU outlined, um, you know, with, um, with what the RFU is supposed to stand for. And I believe we should have the opportunity because I think that allows you to to grow and develop and push the boundaries. And and I think we deserve it probably because we've done everything right. We've won the games we've had to win. Um, we've done it with next to no funding. Um, and we've done it in a league that's shown real resilience. Everything has been taken away from the championship but look at the standard of rugby that they produce. We've had everything go on in our league this season. We've had a, a battle at the top. We've had battles through the middle and we've had a battle at the bottom. And don't tell me there's not a game that people wanted to, wanted to, wanted to either be involved in, get involved in or watch. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been a brilliant campaign with a, with a real high standard of, of, of rugby. To add to that, because there will be the analysts out there saying, oh, the game, the game, the premiership was too far ahead and beyond us. Well, when you look at the data around GPS and, and everything else, if you look at the top end games played in the championship, they are finding an even par with games in the premiership. Now, I, I'm not being silly. I know that's not the top end, the top end, <laughs> the top end game, but we're finding that. So how do we expect to grow and improve if, if we don't have that, that opportunity? So, yeah, um, I think there's an opportunity to get the landscape of rugby right. But I also feel like there's a big missed opportunity and then Jersey, Jersey should, should be given, given the ability to at least to try and compete and get there. And I think we, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't apply because it was, it was unrealistic. But with the momentum, the momentum we've got, any team would like to build off the back of that momentum. And and it does it does sting a little bit when you watch every other team that's won their league have promotion at the top of their banner, and we're just winners. So um, yeah, we, we we've we've got to get it right. We've we've got to we've got to have a proper look and and try and um, try and make sure we re we we make the right decisions moving forward. Yeah, I think that was very well put. <clears throat> I think I remember we had Mark Morgan on the show a, a long time ago. It's long before this uh, incredible season that you've been on. But I think. Um, he made a very salient point that basically there was a lot of negativity around championship clubs not being ambitious. And he made the point that, you know, you know, we, we are ambitious. We're very ambitious, but we want to be ambitious in a system that's fair and a system that we can, you know, rules that we can abide by and, you know, have a level playing field, which um, I mean, he's, I've probably butchered how he said it, but he, he did a very good job of it coming across very well. I think we've done it the right way financially. We've worked within a championship budget. We've stayed in the green. I mean, what, what what more do we have to do? <laughs> There's probably a few other questions I want to fire, fire the other way. <laughs> oh, well, I'll be there behind the stadium for Jersey campaign when I see it coming on. So there we go. Um, yeah, yeah, we made a point there about the comparisons with the Premiership. Um, I, 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 I make this point every time I get a chance, but I think having you on and Jersey on it is it's rude not to. Um, the other thing that I think shows a the value of the league, but b that perhaps are not the the light years apart, Premiership and Championship, as some people might suggest, is the amount of players that make the step up and do so successfully. I would argue there's few teams 
over you know your time in Jersey, so the last nine years or so that have produced, and, and and beyond that, I think I can remember even the likes of Richard Barrington, who would maybe there with you, or might have been slightly before, but the amount of players that have gone from Jersey into Premiership or top flight teams is is, is astronomical. I, 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 I'm struggling to name sort of them all now, but I can think there's I think a lot of players over the years. I've got a board in front of me with 55 players on. I'm still going to grow onto that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've See, got, I've got 53. <laughs> <laughs> but across the board, so not only players, but staff as well, rugby coaches, S&C staff, medical staff across across the game. Um, listen, I think I think we've had we've had a fair few players not just make the step up into when we talk about the next level Premiership. It's international rugby. We've got the Harry Williams story. We've got the Kieran Hardy story. We've got Will Rowlands, Callum Sheedy, Gary Graham, Nick Haining, and it just keeps going. They've not gone on just to play in the Premiership or the URC. They've gone on to play international sport, so uh, international rugby. So, um, so I think um, you know, you've, you doesn't that just prove straight away that not everyone needs to follow the same route or same path to get to the top of the game, and uh, the championships playing a huge part in developing young young players. And then the other ironic, I guess, point about that is the amount of times your fantastic facilities are utilised by our national team, which maybe shows the strength of facility we have on the island as well. But I'll uh, not dwell on that point. Um, again, just looking to the future, there's been a bit mooted about the structure of the league next year. And I believe there's still some questions and some decisions to be made. One that's quite popular, getting quite a lot of attention, is the idea of two leagues of 10, at 10 a sort of Prem A and, uh, and Prem B. Um, a, do you have any any thoughts on that? And B, I've got to ask, obviously as a former Wasp player, what you make of the sort of scenario at uh, your former former side, obviously it's been a, a, a sad old season and a, you know, um, a challenging time for all involved with the club there. But um, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on on, on, on those issues and subjects. Yeah. Um, firstly, I've probably got many permutations around what I think the right league structure looks like across the Premiership and the Championship, Prem 1, Prem 2, A, B, whatever that looks like, and the number of teams in each. Um, that's all underpinned, but I think there's a real opportunity for the RFU to get this right, to to be able to strengthen and grow the game. Um, and that is with rugby and English rugby at the four. So, you know, I hope people really listen and, uh, and want to, you know, are brave enough to make the right decisions. I think the transition into what that looks like is pretty important. I think uh, listening to Simon Massey-Taylor a few days ago, um, he said they're talking about the, the premiership of 10 and it making sense because there's a duty of care to the players, less games, you get to see international stars play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what confused me is you may have a premiership of 10, but a championship of 14. So where's your duty of care when the league that is less resourced, don't have the funding, et cetera, et cetera. Where's your duty of care and how you grow in the game, the exciting young players to continue to get on that pathway through. So, I'd, li I'd like someone to ask questions of the people that are in the trenches, forgive the, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, that do it week in and week out and understand 
understand um, what it takes. So I think that's that's pretty that's important pretty important to take into consideration. Slightly off off topic of that, when you talk about wasps, um, still still can't comprehend <laughs> what's happened, <laughs> um, um, and uh, I know they're doing everything to save the club, and and I can't but not hope they they get that right. I just wish if wasps had been come to the championship, it would have been. Uh, how do I put this? Difficult to articulate. Um, it would be fantastic to see was in the championship, but not in the circumstances that they can't be all there in. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Um, I, I think you make some very interesting points on, on player welfare uh, and you know how narrative is portrayed differently for teams in one league and, and leagues in the and teams in the other. Um, I guess from a just from a director of rugby's perspective, it makes life quite challenging to prepare for a new season when you're not quite sure what that's going to look like. I'm also well aware that you've got a lot of, well, a very important game coming up and you've had a very busy few weeks, but how are, or how is preparation looking for next season, Harvey? Obviously you've set the standard very high this year and in your improvement uh, tangent that you've had over the last nine, it's going to be pretty tricky to, to keep that going. What's what's um, what's squad prep looking like for the 23-24 for the, uh, season? Yeah, I, th- I think that's twofold really. Um, the first one is we will continue to work within the championship budget. You won't see those marquee signings and all the rest because we will stay on the right side of where we need to be. And and I think that's the right way to go. I think because of what happens at Wass and Worcester, well, you won't see that natu- uh, natural step into what was stage two of our plan. We're at stage one this season, stage two, and then stage three. So there'll be uh, a hesitation or a hiccup or a speed bump or whatever you say because we can't make the next decisions around our planning or strategy because we don't know what the landscape of rugby looks like. So we've categorically, the handbrake's been pulled up in our in our planning process. And how can I, uh, we're not getting funding from the RFU at the moment, so how can I ask um, our club to support at the next level um, or at least a, a step towards the next level if we don't know what the competition structures look like and what income streams and funding we potentially will or won't have. A mind-boggling question, I guess, probably something that managers and directors would be in other sports would just not be able to comprehend. Um, but and that's, that's not just me, by the way. I mean, Steve at Doncaster... Um, Craig, Craig at um, Nottingham, Mike at Bedford, whoever it may be. Uh, I mean, yes, obviously we we want to stay in the moment when we coach here and we play this game this week. But you, you need you, you have to have that plan. You have to straight. I mean, you talk about ambition. If we want to be ambitious and get there, we need to we need to navigate how we're going to get there. And at the moment, we can't navigate anywhere because we don't have <laughs> we don't have an outline of what it's going to look like. And I've made this point before that when, you know, look at minimum standards criteria and clubs are being required to put in business plans and, you know, project for the future and, you know, how they're going to be financially stable going forward, which are all part of the the criteria and, you know, kind of sticks that maybe championship clubs have been beat with in the past. You know, well, how on earth can we possibly accurately forecast and plan for a three to five year plan when you won't tell us what's happening in September and we're in the middle of May? (laughs) Yeah, no, agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, 
Well, Harvey, I appreciate you. Um, thank you very much for your time today. I know you've got a busy day. I think you're catching a plane in, in not too long, so um, won't keep you much uh, longer, as I'm sure there's uh, plenty to do ahead of a uh, cup final weekend. But thank you for your time and, and congratulations on a fantastic season. Guys, uh, thank you very much. And thank you for everything you're doing around um, around getting our, get, getting all our stories out there. And I'm sure there's a, there's a few more, um, uh, all, all the players and staff and supporters and fans will, will enjoy, enjoy listening to you. Thank you very much. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.